Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez. 17 floors above Madison Square Garden here in New York City. And this is probably our last broadcast, 17 floors above New York City. We're going to continue the show, but from a new location in Midtown Manhattan. So keep it locked right here for updates on that. And I want to talk to you about Barack Obama. Now, Barack Obama claims that Trump is a dictator. The the problem that I have with this and, he, you know, he does it in his demagogue-in-chief kind of way, is that he kind of uh, is a very slippery person, very much like, you know, the quintessential politician. Obama would love to be more honest and more forthright, but he's so underhanded. So he wants to sneak around and say things. But, I mean, make no mistake that... This is who he is. I don't call him the demagogue in chief for no reason. And I'm looking at a really good piece in the Federalist headline. Obama's second memoir doubles down on his divisive, divisive, arrogant smear. Because anyone that disagrees with him is a racist. And this tell-all memoir of his, I believe this might be the second or third one, uh, entitled... I don't even know what it's entitled. Let's call it Obama Part 3, right? How's that for a nightmare? (laughs) Obama Part 3, as if Part 2 wasn't bad enough. But in his first memoir, Dreams from My Father, he, uh, you know, wanted to show off what he learned, his upbringing, all of that. Hey, no problem. That's a pretty good memoir. But then he released another book after that. And now he's on to his next book. And this one is a very long one. It's a really, I think it's uh, more than 700 pages, probably closer to 800 pages. And that's a big deal. But, of course, this comes from a guy who subscribes to the actually critical race theory, which is racist in the opinion of many, and other ideology that's rooted in Marxism. Now, Barack Obama embraces this philosophical uh, snake oil, according to the author here, and I think that's a good way of putting it. Marx is an idol to Obama. And this is the problem, I think, that we face. When you have a former president, current president, whoever it is, when they buy into this stuff, who in effect is Bernie Sanders, in effect is AOC, but is wrapped in the cloak of being middle of the road, being a good orator, being a good speaker doesn't necessarily cover up all the things you're talking about. But... Let me not talk about that. I want you to hear from Barack Obama himself. Listen to what he had to say on CBS News. Check this out. You know, I, I think that there has been 
uh, this sense over the last several years that literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power. Uh, and uh, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strong men and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people. I can throw them in jail. I can run phony elections. I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be. And one of the signals, I think, that uh, Joe Biden needs to send to the world is that, no, no those values that we preached and we uh, uh, believed in and subscribed in, uh, we still believe. Hat tip to the Federalists. But isn't that rich? Obama spied on members of the press and tried to charge journalist uh, James Rosen as a criminal co-conspirator through the Espionage Act of 1917. And if you read Mark Levin's book on freedom of the press, you'd know about that. The Associated Press says that Trump may use extraordinary rhetoric to undermine trust in the press, but Obama arguably went farther, using extraordinary actions to block the flow of information to the public. End quote. That's the Associated Press, and that's in this Federalist piece. I mean... During his presidency, Obama weaponized the IRS to thwart the free speech of Americans who didn't share his politics, which led to the IRS settling with various groups and publicly apologizing. Remember the Tea Party incident? I do. If you're new to this game and you weren't in politics in 2010, then you probably don't remember this or you may have heard about it, but that was a huge scandal. And Obama never apologized, but he did. Obama also uh, weaponized many government agencies as many as he could, to extend his punitive reach beyond its constitutional limits. And we've even seen that with the executive orders on DACA. He used a banking system in Operation Choke Point to snuff out legal businesses that he and his fellow party ideologues opposed. He used his disastrous, quote, fast and furious gun running program, which resulted in the deaths of an immigration and customs enforcement agent, along with a border patrol agent all in a push for gun control. The Obama administration used the Espionage Act with unprecedented vigor, prosecuting more and more people under that law for leaking sensitive information to the public than all previous presidents combined. Obama's Justice Department dug into confidential communications between news organizations and their sources as part of that effort. In 2013, the Obama administration obtained the records of 20 Associated Press office phone lines and reporters' home phones and cell phones, seizing them without notice as part of an investigation into the disclosure of information about a foiled al-Qaeda terrorist plot. Obama also weaponized government surveillance against his political opponents and sent government agencies to harass private citizens for carrying out their civic duty. Let's not forget the biggest abuse of these is how he used the FBI and the CIA and the NSA and their counterparts internationally to spy on the incoming uh, Trump administration and prior to that on the Trump campaign. Yet he had the nerve to say this, what we just heard him say on CBS News. I want you to hear it one more time to really get the context. Check this out. I I think that there has been... Uh, this sense over the last several years that 
literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power. Uh, and uh, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strong men and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people. I can throw them in jail. I can run phony elections. I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be. And one of the signals, I think, that uh, Joe Biden needs to send to the world is that, no, no those values that we preached and we uh, uh, believed in and subscribed in, uh, we still believe. What a load of crap. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The things he's saying that Trump is doing, he actually did. So keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about elections, recounts, all sorts of craziness, plus the fake news. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. All right. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And check this out. We're looking at a piece in the Washington Examiner from Paul Bedard. And President Trump scores another surprise. Hispanic Democrat voters back Trump on his immigration limits. President Trump's policies limiting immigration decried by liberals in the Harris-Biden ticket won broad bipartisan and Hispanic support in the election and even turned several border towns red for the first time in years. According to a couple of reviews, majorities of Hispanics and Democrats supported the administration's limits on immigration to stop the coronavirus, to protect jobs and maintain the current population mix. In several of these heavily immigrant border counties, voters rejected the demonization of Trump's policies and agents of the U.S. Customs Border Patrol and ICE. And in an exit voter survey for the Federation of American Immigration Reform, also known as FAIR, 78% said immigration was an quote-unquote important issue for them and was key to who they actually voted for. Now, support for Trump's border closings to block further COVID-19 won 80% support. Look at that. El Trompito scoring points with Hispanos. Latinos for Trump. All right, so now check this out. Significantly, said the Zogby Analytics Survey, 60% of Hispanics and 54% of Democrats backed Trump's immigration cuts to protect American jobs. And similar numbers agreed that the cuts were also good to maintain our nation's population. Let's not forget that Trump flipped five overwhelmingly Hispanic border counties despite bipartisan claims that his rhetoric would alienate them. They also looked at a review from the Center for Immigration Studies that found several historically Democrat Texas border counties switched to Republican in this election. Now, the president of FAIR, a guy named Dan Stein, he said that the election results should be a warning to Joe Biden and his plans to open the borders and grant amnesty to illegal immigrants all across the country, saying, quote, the election results clearly do not indicate that President-elect Biden made any mandate to institute radical immigration policies. The stuff that's being promoted by his far left wing party, including erasing borders and flooding the country with millions of new legal and illegal immigrants, this is just fantasy land. And he cites the overall 76% majority 
backing such reductions in immigration. Now, while Trump himself appears to have had significant coattails in the election, the jury's still out on Trump's election for president. And I want to talk about these elections. We have lots of elections going, still being counted. And with respect to these elections being counted, there's a lot that goes into that. I've gotten a lot of social media flack lately from people calling, telling me things about saying, you know, Rich, you're such a, 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 an intelligent person. How could you double down with Trump? Now, listen, I'm not doubling down with Trump. I'm, I'm doubling down for Trump's defense of America. And I'm not saying I don't support Trump. I do. But my point is, this is so much bigger than just saying, oh, well, I like Trump and I'm going to reject the election. That's not what it's about. And I think I've said this many, many times, but I keep hearing, oh, sore loser, get over it, move on. And I think to myself, if there's still pending litigation in court, if there's still information out there where people are saying they're finding ballots, yesterday they found 3,000 new ballots. 3,000 ballots were found in Georgia. Now, with respect to these 3,000 ballots, these were discovered by a Democrat. And 1,900 of these votes were for Trump. Now, if that weren't bad enough, they have all these other issues going on in Georgia. But I'm looking at the headline. And the election director was asked to step down after the Georgia recount found these 2,600, excuse me, uncounted ballots in Floyd County. Now, that's really interesting to me because I think I would lose my job, right, if my job was to count votes and somebody came in to double-check my work and they were like, hey, what about these uh, 2,600 ballots over here? Oh, thanks. I was looking for those. <laughs> this is an election, right? So this is clearly problematic. Now, a lot of people want to go after Lindsey Graham and they want to go after the governor, Kemp, and say that there, there's all this infighting, and the reality is there is. There's a lot of question about what is defined as a legal vote. That's actually a legitimate question. It's not just what so-and-so said it was. And I want to get into that, and I want to have enough time to get into it, but I'm not done yet, so keep it locked right there. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. America, welcome back. We were talking about elections. We talked about the demagogue in chief, Barack Obama. And what I uh, want to get to is how the media perverts things. And by pervert, I, I mean just that, I think. This uh, one network in particular, MSNBC, is notorious for it. And yesterday, somebody was challenging a post that I shared from the Epic Times. The Epic Times has been under assault lately, and uh, Jan Jakelik from the Epic Times, one of their senior editors, joined us here on this program, and you can check out that podcast. It's also a, a feature on This Is America, the podcast, which you can get at wabcradio.com. If you're not already going to wabcradio.com for your news and to download the app, make sure you are because it's an excellent resource, very timely updates, and, of course, you can get my podcast, This Is America, and you can hear all the shows. We're talking about O'Reilly, Curtis, John Batchelor, you name it, everybody here, Bernie and Sid, Juliet Huddy, Lydia Serrani, so many great talents that are here at Talk Radio 77 WABC and Talk Radio 1071, not the least of which is On the Other Side of Midnight with my buddy Frank Morano. So make sure you check that out. Now, I also want to 
remind you about MSNBC because this is your weekly, daily, maybe hourly fake news alert. If you're looking for fake news, MSNBC is an excellent place to find it. This is what they do. They specialize in this. So I was on social media and somebody was criticizing my post where I cited something from the Epic Times. And I defended the Epic Times because I do believe that while there may be, and I don't really think there is, but there may be a center-right bent in their editorial page when you have an opinion piece, their reporting is typically straight down the middle. And if there's any critique that I think I would lob on them, and it's not even a critique, but I would say, if you want to say that they are anti-communist, I think that's fair. And I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's very good. Uh, I would rather be anti-communist than pro-communist. I mean, true or false. These guys uh, were, the Epic Times have started, their founder experienced communism in China under the Communist Chinese Party or the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, either way. (laughs) But when you've gone through that and then you come to America and you create a media empire that's not owned by AT&T, that's not owned by News Corp, and you reach people, God bless you. God bless you for doing well and for standing up for truth and tradition. So the Epic Times, in my opinion, they call them straight down the middle. Facts are facts. And just watch their newscast on NTD News or watch their their uh, editorials and, and see how, how they call things. It's very fair-handed, in my opinion. And if you think I'm wrong, let me know. I'm at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S on all social media. So they blast me with that, and I said, look, they're solid. Somebody comes back at me and says, but then there's this. And they point out this video from Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Now, I don't know Chris Hayes. I do know he's the son of some big Democrat politico here in New York State. But that's all I know. I do know he's a left-wing commentator. And he's wrong most of the time, at least in my opinion. But again, that's my job to think that he's wrong. It's my job to think that Chris Hayes doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know what he's talking about. At least in my opinion, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I want you to hear it and you tell me what you think. Check this out. We have breaking news tonight that shows just how deep the rot in the Republican Party goes. But before getting to that, and we will in just a moment, take a step back. Just for a second, listen to that. Breaking news as if he's Walter Cronkite, who himself was left-leaning, And then says, how deep the rot in the Republican Party goes. I mean, right out of the door, he's letting you know he's a hyper-partisan. And that's okay. I do the same thing. I just don't hide behind the gaze, or the guys, excuse me, of saying, I'm a journalist. I'm calling it fair and balanced. No, I'm calling it the way I feel like calling it. I'm a conservative Puerto Rican guy. I love America. And that's how I call it. Listen to this. We have breaking news tonight that shows just how deep the rot in the Republican Party goes. But before getting to that, and we will in just a moment, take a step back just to sort of survey the last few weeks since the election, right? The most charitable thing someone could say about the bulk of the institutional Republican Party at the national level in the wake of the election that Donald Trump lost is that they're just kind of ignoring and pretending that Donald Trump is not having a total meltdown and attempting to torch American democracy. The nicest thing that can be said about the Mitch McConnells of the world, for instance, is that they are just letting him have his tantrum and hoping it all goes away. That's the best, the very best, most charitable thing you can say about them. 
I'm good right here. We have evidence. Uh, he just has no evidence. He has evidence that he's a freaking idiot. Uh, he is, I mean, letting him have his tantrum. It's not that I'm offended because, oh, I love Trump and you're insulting my president. This is beneath the dignity. No, no, no. This is, why on earth am I listening to this drivel? Bring something solid. If you can't bring something solid, why on earth should I listen to what you have to say? If you want to challenge it. I mean, he did all of that rambling to then go in, we have evidence. Now, can we pick it up at we have evidence? Because I want to let them hear the rest of this. But I think it's completely unfair to, I mean, again, freedom of speech, do what you want. This is what the media has become. Anytime you turn on MSNBC, this is what you're going to get. This is what they do. But we, uh, we have evidence, according to Mr. Hayes. Check this out. That Donald Trump lost is that they're just kind of ignoring and pretending that Donald Trump is not having a total meltdown and attempting to torch American democracy. The nicest thing that can be said about the Mitch McConnells of the world, for instance, is that they are just letting him have his tantrum and hoping it all goes away. That's the best, the very best, most charitable thing you can say about them. We have evidence tonight that that is not what is happening, that they are actually collaborating with Donald Trump in attempting to overthrow the results of a free and fair election. Because today, Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Rassenberger, told The Washington Post he has come under increasing pressure from Republicans, including Senator Lindsey Graham. He goes in and talks about how Graham, who's chair of the Judiciary Committee, and he does this big setup of Graham because Graham, of course, is not allowed as chair of the United States Senate Judiciary Committee, is not allowed to ask anybody anything. Now, of course, when they ask Graham, are you pressuring Secretary of State, uh, I can never say his name, Rassisberger or whatever it is. I'm not looking at it, so I can't even try to spell it phonetically. But the Georgia Secretary of State, Mr. I'm going to call him Rassberger. And if I forget the R, excuse me. But this Asperger man, if we look at his actions, there's reason to call him into question. And I do think it's a pro-government to look into things that they think are wrong. They may not have jurisdiction over statewide elections, and I don't think anybody's saying that they do. But if something that they're doing impacts an election at the state level for federal office, I think that's fair game. So the question becomes, what is it that Graham is asking? Because when reporters say, hey, Senator Graham, are you trying to pressure the secretary of state? Of course, he's going to say no. Because that's not his intention. He's not pressuring people to change legal votes. I think the question here becomes, what the heck is a legal vote? Because a legal vote used to be this, but after several different people made many different lawsuits, we have all these new rules, and apparently you don't even have to go vote anymore to vote. And this is the problem. So when he says we have the results of a free and fair election, do we? We have recounts going on in multiple states. And this is why I like the Epic Times. Because they've called the red ones for the red, the blue ones for the blue, and the ones that are being battled in court with little legal symbols. What are those called? Scales of justice. That's what they're called. And they have little scales of justice on the states that are having uh, legal disputes. So I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but this is MSNBC, the home of Brian Williams, the anchor that made stuff up about getting shot at on a helicopter as if he was in war, when none of that actually happened, and he got thrown off NBC News. 
as if it wasn't as bad to get removed from the regular NBC News channel, now he's relegated to the land of fake news. Anyway, Mr. Hayes' commentary, masquerading as analysis, is flawed for several reasons. Number one, the Georgia Secretary of State is a defendant in this litigation. Mark Levin has brought that up a million times, and he's right. So why didn't Mr. Hayes get a comment or even play a video clip of any of the plaintiffs in this case? Right? Because this is the Trump campaign, Trump's lawyers, Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, so many others, suing election officials. And the chief election official in that state is the secretary of state. They're suing Mr. Rass, Burger, right? So when they're suing this guy, if somebody's suing me and like, hey, Rich, did you do that? Nope, I didn't do it. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm not going to incriminate myself in any way. I didn't do anything. And that's what he's going to say. So the real story here is, why wouldn't they ask? I'll tell you why. It's because he doesn't want you to hear their side of the story. He wants to offer one side of the story so it sounds compelling. And then he's going to use Lindsey Graham as a foil, just like any good storyteller would. Now, number two, this is exactly what the lawsuit is about. What exactly is a legal vote? I, too, disagree with Secretary Rasselberger, who months ago succumbed to the rhetoric echoed in bogus lawsuits from Mark Elias to soften what is considered to be a legal vote. Number three, I don't know what it what it means uh, and why he did such an elaborate setup to describe Lindsey Graham, but I'm guessing it's because he's a Republican and he wants to emphasize that he's the Senate Judiciary Chair. He wants to do this and only referencing Mark Elias and the rest of his stuff as if he's just some sort of innocent bystander, not that he's Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer and the guy that brought all these lawsuits to change these election laws by way of lawsuit, not by way of legislation, which in effect may be unconstitutional. So here we have a biased cable network with lots of issues. Rachel Maddow's fake Russia story, Lawrence O'Donnell's fake tax story, Joy Reid's homophobic rant, and then her cover-up of it, all trying to push a story. Where does it end? This, folks, is the anatomy of a fake news story. This is how they do it each and every time. And let's not forget, you also have the host, Chris Hayes, omitting facts so he can bend the truth to misrepresent why the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee has an interest in defining what a legal vote is in the state of Georgia, while really, honestly, just ignoring who Mark Elias is along with his previous career. Plus, they've completely left out any representation of the plaintiffs. And we talked about this. This is a hit piece, not to mention the credible allegations that are brought by the Georgia attorney, Lynn Wood, who accused Governor Kemp and the Secretary of State of questionable relationships with Chinese interests. It's no wonder to me why Democrats are in such a rush to get this thing over with. The more time they have to find dirt, the more dirt they find. The relative silence on those 153,000 votes in a separate congressional race in Nevada that were disqualified due to, quote, discrepancies, end quote. Not fraud. They would never say fraud. They don't want to say irregularities. But those 153,000 votes that were disqualified should be the big story here that NBC is talking about. But sadly, it's not. So again, my friends, this is the anatomy of a fake news story. And it's how the left within the media and the left within the government manipulate the masses.
Like I always tell you, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. That's Sir Edmund Burke. So make sure you do something, read something, know something, rise up and take a stand because America's counting on you. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 